Chapter Nine of the Lances of Linwood by Charlotte Mary Young. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. With the first dawn of morning, the chapel bell began to toll, and was replied to by the deeper sound of the bell of the parish church. Soon the court began to be filled with the neighboring villagers, with beggars, palmers, mendicant friars of all orders, pressing to the buttery hatch where they received the dole of bread, meat, and ale from the hands of the pantler under the direction of the almoner of glastonbury who requested their prayers for the soul of the noble sir reginald linwood and dame eleanor of clarenham his wife the peasantry of linwood and the beggars whose rounds brought them regularly to the keep of linwood and who had often experienced the bounty of the departed lady replied with tears and blessings there were not wanting the usual though incongruous accompaniments of such a scene the jugglers and mountebanks who were playing their tricks in one corner within the hall all was in sad sober and solemn array contrasting with the motley concourse in the court little arthur dressed in black stood by the side of his uncle to receive the greetings of his yeoman vassals as they came in one by one with clownish courtesy but hearty respect and affection and great satisfaction at the unexpected appearance of the young knight next came in long file mounted on their sleek mules the twelve monks of glastonbury whom the knight and his nephew reverently received at the door and conducted across the hall to the chapel where the parish priest father cyril and some of the neighbouring clergy had been chanting psalms since morning light on the way sir eustace held some conference with the chief brother michael who had come prepared to assist in conveying arthur if possible to glastonbury but was very glad to find that the knight was able to take upon himself the charge of his nephew without embroiling the abbey with so formidable an enemy as lord de clarenham the next arrival was sir philip ashton and his son who could hardly believe their eyes when eustace met them leonard's manner was at first cordial but presently apparently checked by some sudden recollection he drew back and stood in sheepish embarrassment fumbling with his dagger while sir philip was lavishing compliments on eustace who was rejoiced when the sound of horses made it necessary to go and meet lord de clarenham at the door arthur looked up in sir fulke's face with a look in which curiosity and defiance were expressed while fulke on his side was ready to grind his teeth with vexation at the unexpected sight of the only man who could interfere with his projects then he glanced at his own numerous and well-appointed retinue compared them with the small number of the linwood vassals and with another look at his adversary's youthful and gentle appearance he became reassured and returned his salutations with haughty ceremony the whole company moved in solemn procession toward the chapel where the mass and requiem were chanted and the corpse of the lady eleanor enclosed in a stone coffin was lowered to its resting-place in the vault of her husband's ancestors it was past noon when the banquet was spread in the hall a higher table on the dais for the retainers and yeomanry the latter of whom were armed with dagger short sword or quarter-staff sir philip ashton and brother michael were chiefly at the expense of the conversation eustace meanwhile doing the honours with grave courtesy taking care to keep his nephew by his side there was no one who did not feel as if on the eve of a storm but 
all was grave and decorous and at length brother michael and the monks of glastonbury rejoicing that they at least had escaped a turmoil took their leave mounted their mules and rode off in all correctness of civility towards the house of linwood which as eustace could not help feeling they thus left to fight its own battles it waxes late said lord de clarinham rising bring out the horses miles and you my young kinsman arthur you are to be my guest from henceforth come therefore prepare for the journey arthur held fast by the hand of his uncle who replied i thank you in my nephew's name for your intended hospitality but i propose at once to conduct him to bordeaux to be enrolled among the prince's pages conduct him to bordeaux said the knight answered sir fulk with a sneer to bordeaux forsooth it is well for you my fair young cousin that i have other claims to you since were you once out of england i can well guess who would return to claim the lands of linwood what claim have you to his wardship sir fulk asked eustace coldly disdaining to take notice of the latter part of this speech as his feudal superior and his nearest relation of full age replied clarinham there are many here who can prove that it is twenty-one years past since i was born on the feast of st eustace replied the young knight the house of linwood owns no master beneath the king of england and the wardship of my nephew was committed to me by both his parents here is a witness of the truth of my words holy father the parchment father cyril spread a thick roll with heavy seals purporting to be the last will and testament of dame eleanor linwood bequeathing the wardship and marriage of her son to her beloved brother sir eustace linwood knight banneret and in his absence to the lord abbot of glastonbury and cyril langton clerk it is not said clarinham pushing it from him the lady of linwood had no right to make a will in this manner since she unlawfully detained her son from me his sole guardian the force of the will may be decided by the king's justices said eustace but my rights are not founded on it alone my brother sir reginald with his last words committed his son to my charge what proof do you bring sir eustace said fulk i question not your word but something more is needed in points of law and you can scarcely expect the world to believe that sir reginald would commit his only child to the guardianship of one so young and the next heir i am here to prove it my lord said gaston eagerly to your care i commit him eustace said sir reginald as he lay with his head on his brother's breast and methought he also added beware of clarinham was it not so friend leonard leonard's reply was not readily forthcoming his father was whispering in his ear whilst he knit his brow shuffled with his feet and shrugged his shoulder disrespectfully in his father's face speak master ashton said clarinham in a cold incredulous tone and bending on father and son glances which were well understood to your testimony respectable and uninterested credit must be added what mean you by that sir folk de clarinham cried gaston for what do you take me and my word certain tales of you and your companions sir squire answered clarinham 
do not dispose me to take a gascon's word for more than it is worth these passes cried gaston striking his fist on the table you venture it because you are not of my degree here ye craven squires will not one of you take up my glove when i cast back in his teeth your master's foul slander of an honourable esquire touch it not i command you said clarinam unless master dobricourt will maintain that he never heard of a certain one-eyed basque and never rode on a freebooting foray with the robber knight perducas d'albret what of that fiercely cried gaston quite enough sir squire said fulk coolly gaston was about to break into a tempest of rage when eustace's calm voice and gesture checked him sir fulk said eustace were you at bordeaux you would know that no man's word can be esteemed more sacred or his character more high than that of gaston d'aubicourt but in the meantime said clarinam we must be content to take that as well as much besides on your own assertion sir eustace once more master leonard ashton let me hear your testimony as to the dying words of sir reginald linwood i am content to abide by them come leonard said his father who had been whispering with him all this time speak up you may be grieved to disappoint a once friendly companion but you could not help the defect of your ears sir philip i pray you not to prompt your son said eustace stand forth leonard on your honour did you or did you not hear the words of my brother as he lay on the bank of the zadora leonard half rose as if to come towards him but his father held him fast he looked down and muttered i truly i heard sir reginald say somewhat tell it out then he thanked the prince for knighting you he prayed him to have charge of his wife and child he bade gaston not to return to evil courses said leonard bringing out his sentences at intervals and afterwards said eustace sternly when the prince was gone on your honour leonard leonard almost writhed himself beneath the eyes that eustace kept steadily fixed on him somewhat he might have said of knightly training for his son but but what do i know he added as his father pressed hard on his foot it was all in your ear for as he lay on your breast his voice grew so faint that i could hear little through my helmet nay master ashton said john ingram pressing forward if i remember right you had thrown off your helmet saying it was as hot as a copper cauldron and besides our good knight when he said those words touching master arthur raised himself up somewhat and spoke out louder as if that we might all hear and bear witness no witness beyond your own train sir eustace said clarinam none said eustace excepting one whose word even you will scarcely dare to dispute sir bertrand du guesclin i dispute no man's word sir eustace said fulk i only say that until the claim which you allege be proved in the king's court i am the lawful guardian of the lands and person of the heir of linwood the lord chancellor wickham may weigh the credit to be attached to the witness of this highly respectable esquire 
or this long-eared man-at-arms or may send beyond the seas for the testimony of duke westclan in the meantime i assume my office come here boy i will not come to you lord fulk said arthur or when i do it shall be sword in hand to ask for an account for the tears you have made my sweet mother shed bred up in the same folly said fulk once more sir eustace will you yield him to me or must i use force i have vowed before his mother's corpse to shield him from you returned eustace think of the consequences sir eustace said sir philip ashton coming up to him remember the unrepealed grant to the clarinums the linwood manor may be at any moment resumed to which failing your nephew you are heir you will ruin him and yourself it is his person not his lands that i am bound to guard said eustace let him do his worst my nephew had better be a landless man than one such as fulk would make him think continued sir philip of the disadvantages to your cause of provoking a fray at such a time hold your hand and yield the boy at least till the cause come before the chancellor never said eustace his parents have trusted him to me and i will fulfil my promise the scandal of the fray be on him who occasions it recollect my lord said ashton turning to fulk that this may be misrepresented these young warriors are hot and fiery and this young knight they say has succeeded to all his brother's favour with the prince i will not be bearded by a boy returned clarinum thrusting him aside hark you sir eustace you have been raised to a height which has turned your head your eyes have been dazzled by the gilding of your spurs and you have fancied yourself a man but in your own country and your own family heirs are not to be born we rate you at what you are worth and are not to be imposed on by idle tales which the boastful young men of the prince's court frame of each other give up these pretensions depart in peace to your fellows at bordeaux and we will forget your insolent interference never while i live replied eustace vassals of linwood guard your young lord vassals of linwood said fulk will you see your young lord carried off to perish in some unknown region and yourselves left a prey to an adventurer and freebooter for that matter my lord said an old farmer if all tales be true master arthur is like to learn less harm with sir eustace than in your jolly household i for one will stand by our good lord's brother to the last what say you comrades hurrah for the lances of linwood shouted john ingram and the cry was taken up by many a gruff honest voice till the hall rang again and the opposing shout of a clarinum a clarinum was raised by the retainers of the baron eustace at the same moment raised his nephew in his arms and lifted him up into the embrasure of one of the high windows sir philip ashton still hung upon clarinum pleading in broken sentences which were lost in the uproar hold hold my lord nay nay think but here he was thrust roughly aside by fulk 
sir eustace do but hear it will be a matter for the council in the name of the king for the love of heaven leonard son leonard for heaven's sake what have you to do with the matter down with that sword and follow me dost not hear froward boy our names will be called in question leonard on your duty ha have a care there these last words were broken short as gaston rushing forwards to his master's side overthrew the table which carried sir philip with it in the fall and he lay prostrate under the boards a stumbling-block to a stream of eager combatants who one after another dashed against him fell and either rose again or remained kicking and struggling with each other after several minutes confused fighting the tumult cleared away as it were leaving the principals on each side opposite to each other and as the fortune of the day rested on their conflict all became gradually fixed in attention resting upon their weapons in readiness at any moment to renew their own portion of the combat folk tall and robust had far more the appearance of strength than his slenderly made antagonist but three years in the school of chivalry had not been wasted by eustace and the sword of du guesclin was in a hand well accustomed to its use old ralph was uttering under his breath ecstatic exclamations ah well struck a rare foil a perfect it have a care ah there comes my old blow that is right old sir henry's master-stroke there one of your new french backstrokes but it told oh have a care the saint's guard ay there follow it up hurrah for linwood as fulk tottered slipped sank on one knee and receiving a severe blow on the head with the back of the sword measured his length on the ground hurrah for linwood re-echoed through the hall but eustace cut short the clamour at once by saying peace my friends and thanks sir folk de clarinum he added as his fallen foe moved and began to raise himself you have received a lesson by which i hope you will profit leave the house whose mourning you have insulted and thank your relationship that i forbear to bring this outrage to the notice of the king while eustace spoke folk had by the assistance of two of his retainers recovered his feet but though unwounded he was so dizzied with the blow as to be passive in their hands and to allow himself to be led into the court and placed on his horse before riding out of the gates he turned round and clenching his fist glanced malignantly at eustace and muttered you shall abide it another shout of down with the false clarinum hurrah for the lances of linwood and the brave young knight was raised in the court by the peasantry among whom folk was so much hated that not even regard for their future welfare could prevent them from indulging in this triumph probably too they expected the satisfaction of drinking the health of the victor for there were many disappointed countenances when he spoke from the steps of the porch thanks for your good will my friends fare you well depart in peace and remember your young lord then turning to the parish priest he added in a low voice 
see that they leave the castle as soon as possible the gates must be secured as soon as may be he turned back into the hall and at the door was met by little arthur who caught hold of his hand exclaiming so you have won me and shall keep me forever uncle eustace but come in for here is poor old sir philip who was thrown down under the table in the scuffle bemoaning himself most lamentably sir philip hurt said eustace who vexed as he was by sir philip's behaviour preserved a certain neighbourly hereditary respect for him i trust not seriously and he advanced towards the armchair where sir philip ashton was sitting attended by father cyril and a man-at-arms and groaning and complaining of his bruises while at the same time he ordered the horses to be brought out as speedily as possible surely said eustace you should not be in such haste sir philip i grieve that you should have met with this mishap but you had better remain here and try what rest will do for you remain here said sir philip almost shuddering nay nay my young sir i would not have you to remain here nor any of us for longer space than the saddling of a horse alas my young friend i grieve for you i loved your father well look from the window leonard are the horses led forth but why this haste asked sir eustace you are heavily bruised best let father cyril look to your hurts thanks sir eustace but oh my back but i would not remain under this roof for more than you could give me i should but endanger myself without benefiting you alas alas that i should have fallen upon such a fray i am sorry for you my brave youth i thank you sir philip but i know not what i have done to deserve your concern hot blood wilful blood said sir philip shaking his head are the horses come here your hand leonard help me to rise ah ah not so fast oh i shall never get over it there mind you i did all to prevent this unhappy business i am clear of it fare you well sir eustace take an old man's advice give up the boy and leave the country before worse comes of it what is likely to come of it said eustace clarinum made an uncalled-for unjust shameless attempt to seize the person of my ward i repelled him by force of arms and i think he would scarce like to call the attention of justice to his own share in the matter ah well you speak boldly but before you have reached my ears you will have learnt what it is to have for your foe the most mighty man of the county nay of the court for your foe lord de clarinum is in close friendship with the earl of pembroke beware my young friend beware when the hall was clear of guests a council was held between the knight the priest and the two esquires its result was that arthur's person as the most important point should be secured by his uncle carrying him at once to the prince's protection at bordeaux but it was only with difficulty that eustace was prevailed on to fly as he said from his accusers the good father had to say with a smile that after all there was as much need for patience and submission 
under the helm as under the cowl before eustace at length consented cyril meanwhile was to lay the case before the chancellor william of wickham and eustace gave him letters to the duke of lancaster and to sir richard ferrars in the hopes of their recommending his suit eustace then received from the hands of the priest a bag of gold coins his portion as a younger son part of which he gave to be distributed in alms part he still confided to father cyril's keeping and the rest he was to take away for present needs and they parted for the last night of his brief stay at linwood keep End of chapter nine